It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome into the Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. I hope everybody enjoyed their weekend of football and is excited. And frankly, we had a Monday night doubleheader because of extenuating circumstances and I love Monday night doubleheaders, Chris. I don't know about you. I think they should always have them, but uh, we'll get into that and more here on another edition of the Football Film Room Podcast on twitch.tv slash Football and LandryFootball.com. Chris, we did have the two Monday night football games because of the extenuating circumstances. First off, how did you feel that the NFL handled all the COVID scenarios that were going on between the Patriots and the Chiefs, and then, of course, the Titans and the Steelers earlier in the week. thought they handled it well, I mean, from how the scheduling part. Now, the investigation behind the scenes, we'll get into the Titan situation in a second, but uh, is related to the Chiefs and the Patriots. You know, they, need to do, they needed to do their due diligence. They were not – you know, the thing about it is, as you understand a little bit on the outside looking in from these testing – you need to give another 24 hours to make sure that you're cleared and make sure that the test is not a false positive or a false negative. And they were yeah. able to do that, push it back. Look, it's not ideal, you know, and everybody will criticize folks. Look, I, I'm not going to sit there and tell you it is, it is not going to be easy to get through this season and it's not going to be normal. And it's just, I thought that was outstanding how they did it. And the fact that it only delayed it a week um, was amazing. And, you know, the Patriots, how about the Patriots? I think it was three planes or four planes. I mean, they put, <laughs> put, you know, put the 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 people who were you know quarantined in one. I mean, just so look, they made they made it work really well. Now, people have asked me and people have speculated about what's gone on and what has gone on in the Titan situation. Look, they're investigating the the NFL's had boots on the grounds in, in Nashville to try to investigate the Titans. Did they uh, violate protocols? And that's what they're looking at right now. They're looking at if you violate protocols, mm-hmm. you got to deal with some issues with heavy fine suspensions. Um, and, and and I think that's justified. If if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you know you're you're jeopardizing the entire league, people you're playing against, everything. So it needs to be swift, harsh, and I mean, you better you better mind your P's and Q's. Look, there's scenarios where you do everything you're supposed to do and just something happens. I, you know, 
you deal with that and you postpone it, you push it back, you figure it out. But you know what? Um, I was along the lines and I was talking with a league official this week, like, you know, and I'm in attitude. Look, forfeit the damn game if a team, you know, is, is responsible for doing something wrong. And, and, and while that is fine, uh, I do think, and it was brought out to me and I thought about it further. So let's just go down that road. You know, if Tennessee's found to have done something wrong, forfeit the game. They don't deserve to have to push and postpone it. But then is it fair to the Ravens or the Browns to have the Steelers just get to the game because the Titans did something? You know, in other uh-huh. words, that becomes a bigger issue. And I, I, I'm, I'm, look, I understand it, and you think it through, and you could have both sides of it. But I think it's clear. If you didn't do anything wrong and it's just buzzards luck, you got to figure out how to make this work. And if if you are not handling the right proper the, the correct protocols, then you know you, you need to come down heavy on it. But I'm going to just say this, and I'm ended with this. There's been talk, and I've told guys and my friends in the league, you better get your you know what in gear. You better have a bubble come playoff time at the very least, hmm. because think about is cumbersome as this is think about it's the Steelers and the Titans in the first week in the playoffs. Now you want to talk about a cluster bleep. Yeah. When you got a game, you can't play it. You're stuck. You're get your quarantine maybe for a week, two weeks. I mean, both teams, you, I'm going to tell you now, you cannot risk this. You better have it in place. I realize 32 bubbles are challenging, but, but you can have 14 bubbles. And you, well, Chris, there's there's no there's no there's no fans, so you can have multiple games in the same stadium in the same day by staggering the times. So a bubble could theoretically work, especially if you're in a place that has multiple stadiums in relative proximity. You know, in the New York metropolitan area, you can have MetLife Stadium and you can have Lincoln Financial in Philadelphia. They're not far from each other. Same thing in Los Angeles, which is what Major League Baseball is doing with Dodger Stadium and Petco Park. You could bring football back to San Diego. Or here's an idea. Use the other stadiums in L.A. You got the brand new SoFi Stadium. You got the Coliseum. You got the Rose Bowl. That's three football stadiums there, Chris, that you can utilize if you have a bubble. It's very simple. It's, I know it's not simple, but from my perspective, I think it's something that could be done. Well, yeah, but I don't even need to think you go that far. I, I think when I'm talking about a bubble, it's, you know, look, this is the way it's going to be. You've got a hotel that's blocked off. Mm-hmm, each mm-hmm, team, mm-hmm. And no one can go in or out. You go to, to the facility, you go to the hotel, and it's it's sterilized, and everybody's tested, and they're in that bubble. And then, you know, that bubble goes into the plane, which is a bubble or two planes. And then they go to the road team and, and it's it's corresponding bubbles. It would be good enough to where you wouldn't need to have to play it in a neutral field. You just need to. Hey, look, guys, this is the way it is in the playoffs. You cannot go home. You you yeah. are in you are in the hotel. Mm-hmm. You are you can't even get into your car. You have <laughs> to be picked up into a bus into the facility and you yep. need to clear the facility. I mean, it, you can do that. And and that would be sufficient enough. 
Now, you know, if it got drastic, two things that come to mind. If you, if you had to play it at neutral stadiums, it would have to be an artificial surface because you couldn't play two games on the same field on the same. You'd need to you'd rest it. But, and then I don't know if California, with their situation, we don't know, mm-hmm, we don't mm-hmm. know what is going to be hit the worst and what part of the country and For how sure. much work it's going to be. So that might be the last place you want to go or it might be the best place you want to go. Mm-hmm. But I think that you can do this with corresponding bubbles. I'm not so sure that we shouldn't be doing this now. I get it. I've talked to folks about it. Chris, it is damn difficult to do that in a bubble yeah. 17 weeks. I get it. We get to the playoffs, Scott, and the playoffs may be about – it's going to be about your winning percentage, not, you know, just – it's always about winning percentage, but maybe yeah. 11 and 5 and, a, you know, a, it may not be equal amount of games played. You get to the playoffs – they're they're playing Russian roulette if they don't put it into a bubble, and I don't mean everybody in one place like a, an NHL or an yeah. NBA bubble. I'm talking about bubbleize the places, and you can't leave. Coaches, trainers, everybody. You go in, you checked, and you're tested, and you come out, and you can't leave. And it's secure. I mean, it's it's the only way you're going to get through it. And obviously, after the first week. I mean, you got, you know, you're eliminating teams, you got less bubbles. And then yeah. you, I think that's what you have to do because you, you, you completely ruin your entire playoffs, the whole structure and the whole schedule. If one game's canceled, what do you do? Hmm. It's well, over. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what you can do. It's a complete screw up. And I'm just looking ahead. I'm just thinking ahead. That's what's in my sick mind, I guess, about, <laughs> you know, how do you deal with this? Because look, this is, it, it, I thought they did everything they could. They, they apparently did the Titan situation with that. That was a breakout. Something, something went wrong right mm-hmm. there. I don't know what, but they're going to figure it out. Um, and they put in new protocols and you know, that they, they got turnover cameras. If you got people not wearing masks, at the, they're going to come down hard on people. And I'm, and I don't mean just fines. I mean, you know, draft picks and a lot of stuff yeah. that really hurts. Well, since we're talking about the NFL, why don't we start with the NFL here on today's show? And we are a quarter of the way through the season as one of our loyal viewers. uh, Fantasy Football 101 lets Mm -hmm. us know week five. We are a quarter of the way through this thing. That's right. Uh, You know, Fantasy Football 101. We are a quarter of the way through the season. So, Chris, I'll ask you, what is the most surprising thing to you right now in the NFL after one quarter of the season? Wow. The most surprising. How Bad Dallas has looked as one of them. Well, um, going further on that, Chris, they think about this. They are an Atlanta Falcons botched <laughs> onside no. kick away from being 0 and 4. Yep, I know. That's why I say it. And maybe how bad overall NFC East is. I know. Congrats. Good win in, uh, Philadelphia, in, uh, for Philly in, in San Francisco. Um, that a surprise. I would not have um, won the bet on first coach getting fired thing B.O.B., but mm. um, not that, you know, I couldn't foresee this happening, but I would have put my money on Adam Gase or, you know, Dan Quinn yeah. and uh, Bob, uh, you know, this, this kind of blew up. Um, and this is, that's a case where I've said it before. Now, Houston played a tough schedule and yet that loss, we talked about it, kind of a must win, a, an ugly game for the loser. It it costs the job. That that jumps out at me. Um, that that's that's basically a surprise on the negative side. On the positive side, 
How about the Carolina Panthers? How well they're playing? Yeah. Um, Do you know what I, I I really like about the Panthers is Robbie Anderson with the Jets and previously in his career was specifically just this over the top guy, you know, a vertical threat, good wheels. Matt Rule's really using him all over the field and they're hitting him on these slant routes. They're using the middle of the field. And I think he's emerging as a really good weapon for Teddy Bridgewater. I'm liking what I see out of this Carolina team. And by Christian McCaffrey. And by Matt Rule doing a good job, you mean Joe Brady's doing a really good job. Yes. Yes. Doing a good job like he did with the LSU receivers. Let's Mm -hmm. remind folks. Mm -hmm. Burrow was there a year before Joe Brady. Joe's there. All the receivers take a huge step up. Joe Brady's a really bright start. That team's playing hard, playing well. I didn't give it a whole lot of hope there. Um, that's, you know, uh, you know, the, the other thing that I would say is a little bit of a mini surprise is that what's up with the Cardinals look good. The first couple of weeks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Boy, they have really spit the bit the past couple of weeks. So real yep. concern there. I do think, um, the Rams look good. The NFC, this, this doesn't fall into the category. I'm surprised, but would fall into the category. Color me impressed the NFC West. Um, Seattle's good. Mm-hmm. The Rams are good. I know the Niners, the Niners lost at home, but they are fighting through injuries and get yes. those guys healthy. They're going to be good. And the Cardinals are the weak link and look like a pretty dog good, good weak link. Yep. And now they're, you know, struggling. So we'll see. I, I would probably say that the other thing I would say, I know people are saying, well, Andre, what about the Bears? The Bears are fool's gold. They just don't look that they don't look like the record when you get mm-hmm. inside the film room. So I'm maybe surprised a little bit by their record, but that's going to play its way out and and kind of prove to be again, full school. Why don't we get into our play of the week here, Chris, from uh, this past week in the NFL and it was a fun one <laughs> <laughs> in that Cowboys Browns game. It was Odell Beckham Jr. taking this reverse to the house. Take a look. And he gets wide and and really nice job of trying to force him out, but not being able to get to him. So he gets so wide here. But look at the blocking angles. You've got a real clear here. You've got crackbacks coming in. And you see the two lead defenders knocking out two guys, clearing the way, but then cut back. That's where you miss it right there. But look at the block at the top. And you look at the shield inside. Now you got the angle. You cut back to the corner. That quick cutback, that's probably the biggest thing so subtle. The quick avoid right there from 54 at the initial part created enough separation to where he was able to get in. So you take a look at it. We'll we'll kind of take a look. This is a TV copy, but it's really about Odell, and it's about his blockers getting him going early because this could have been – a really negative play with a lot of uh, a lot of negative yardage. So take a look here at the top of it as we get it coming out of the stance here. We get really depth, really uh, a lot of depth on the uh, the snap. So okay, you get really wide. They see it. 
You see it, but you're not able to get to it. Odell gets a little deeper and avoids it. So that's the play that right there, if he doesn't avoid it, he gets trapped at least behind the line of scrimmage. But look, then, look at this wall. You mentioned look, the blocking here. This wall look, here, Chris. Look, look at the blocking. And right is great job blocking, but I want you to watch. So he cuts inside right here. He sees the vision. Look at 54. Okay, he's coming down. Look at the subtle move to the right. There you go. That makes it because you got 64 with a shield that chills down the backside. That was enough separation, just like on a route, to get him enough separation to where he's able to get to the house. That was the play that made it a big gain to a touchdown. So big-time play. And I tell you what, you want to talk about positives. You talk about consistency and a good job getting the offense. Kevin Stefanski has done a good job with this Browns team. It's the best they've looked in a while. Don't want to jump on the bandwagon or anything and get people. Let's get some consistency going, but they're starting to play well. You're not hearing a lot of chirping. They're getting Odell in the game. That's always a, you know, but I'm going to tell you, Kevin Stefanski looks like he's, you know, in off to a good start leading this situation and really doing a good job of play design. This offense looks pretty good. Uh, I think this this Browns team is going to be a, a good team, a competitive team, and in that yep. division with the Steelers and the Ravens, the AFC North is the answer in the AFC to the NFC West. Those divisions have three teams each that look like playoff teams. Well, let's get into our preview here of week five on the football film room. Again, you can always watch us on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. You go right ahead and join us and uh, comment with us. We got some fantasy football questions coming in that we'll uh, answer for you guys. Um, as we talk about the Dallas Cowboys, here's a question. Would you pay Dak Prescott, Chris? Is he worth the 36 to 38 million that he's probably going to get? And, and, and I'll jump in first because – I always say this. You agree with me. It's not who you are. It's when you are. And yeah. When is now? Well, here's the here's the issue, though, fantasy football. Um, you got to go back to this is why, in from a philosophical standpoint, as as a football administrator in in personnel, you, in my opinion, when you have a young quarterback, you want to get them locked up sooner. So basically, Dak should already have been under contract. After his first couple of years, you saw that he was good enough. Pay him the worth there. It would have been less than half of what he's asking now. And you'd you'd be set and you would be able to then decide whether you want to go forward in two more years with another contract. But here's what they've done. Dallas is in a they have no choice position. But this is why Dallas struggles. They don't know how to pay players. They don't know how to structure a team. And they're a team that has some collection of players, but they're not a really good team. It's not a well-orchestrated or organized team. So uh, what I would have already paid him, not this amount of money. I would have paid him earlier and would have alleviated this issue altogether. They're going to have to pay it. And if they don't, they're starting over and they've got nothing. And quite frankly, Jerry knows and nothing against Jerry. and He's good healthy. He knows he ain't got forever. And to start over with another quarterback – I don't know that there's the other option there. Um, I think this season has kind of proven that Dak is their best shot at quarterback. So here's my point. 
he's the best option that the Cowboys have on their roster or anybody that's attainable for them. So what they've done, they've given Dak all the leverage. So they're going to have to pay it at the expense of somebody else, and it's probably going to make them fall short. Look, this defense is not playing good enough. Dak is throwing for a lot of yards, but they're kind of a lopsided, one-sided team, and they're not playing well at the line of scrimmage, and they got problems. So hope that answers the big picture of, of what that situation is and what they're likely to do. And, again, I don't, I would like to think I wouldn't have gotten myself in this situation. Here's another question. With Bill O'Brien out in Houston, what type of offense fits Deshaun Watson the best? That's coming from Burns. Well, I think the problems that Bill had more – more than coaching was the GM part of it, the personnel part of it. So, you know, you've got some receivers that you lost your dominant receiver. And I think you would like to be able to do some of the things with Deshaun Watson, some of the things that with Kansas city does, but Houston doesn't have the weapons that Kansas city has. So um, what you'd like to do is a lot of boot rollout game with Deshaun uh, Watson. Um, I do think um, that, it would make a lot of sense to look at Eric Bieniemy at the end of the year and try to try to mm-hmm. figure out where you want to go there, but that's going to take some time to figure out. And obviously, are they going to give the GM position full time to Jack Easterby? I, I don't know. He's got ties to the Patriots, and I'm sure he's going to want to say, "Hey, well, let's make a run at Josh McDaniels and give him yeah. uh, some personnel." I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but the answer to your question is you got to build it around Deshaun. Deshaun is a playmaker. He's not Patrick Mahomes, but he can do some of the things along the line that Patrick does. Maybe not as well, but he can do some of the same things. But you've got to maximize weapons, and you've got to find some speed, run-after-catch ability, the improvisational plays that he makes. Those are all the things that you can't do as well in Houston that they do so well in Kansas City that looks almost unstoppable at times. Let's get into the games here for Week 5. We will touch on college football coming up in just a few minutes. We'll go over what we saw last weekend and then preview some of the top 25 matchups coming up this weekend. But first, Week 5 in the NFL. We start Thursday night with the Buccaneers at the Bears and what is being advertised, Chris, as the Super Bowl rematch between Tom Brady and Nick Foles. Yeah, you know, uh, the Bucs are starting to really play well. Brady's starting to develop. Besides the pick sixes. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's been very weird. Um, But they're starting to find a rhythm there. Uh, No, I think that they're, they're, they're in good shape. They look good. And right now they look like the best team in the NFC South. Uh, and we'll see the Saints had that first game in hand. Uh, it's going to be a two-team race. Uh, I, again, I, I, listen, I want to like Chicago. I, I, I go in with the idea of just blank slate. Uh, th- this will be a big-time win if the Bears can pull it off. I don't think they can. We move on to Sunday. The Panthers at the 0-4 Falcons. Well, you know, this is this is a tough one because Atlanta's got to get this game. I mean, they really do. Um we can talk about you, you have a chance and this game and that game, you lose to Seattle, you blew the game against Dallas. We know the whole story with Atlanta. Dan Quinn can't lose at home to a rebuilding Carolina team with a first-year coach. Th- this pretty much does it. And, and I don't know if Arthur would take this closer towards the open date, which I believe is week 10 for now, for all we know. Open dates are flexible now. But I don't think, Dan Quinn can survive this loss. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying that he definitely would lose his job Monday or Sunday night, but I don't think if he loses this game, he will recover. I think this is 
this is it's that big in my mind. It's a must win for Atlanta's Dan Quinn. It's a battle of the unbeatens, the Bills at the Titans. Listen, call me a believer in Buffalo. I don't know, you know, how much practice the Titans have lost. That's got to be a big factor. We talked about it last week when when we did this show last week. We, we hadn't yet known about the postponement, and we knew it was a possibility. I like the way this Buffalo team is playing. like their defense. Josh Allen's is, is really good, and um, I like I like Buffalo. I do. I, I think this is going to be a big-time, uh, uh, you know, win for them on the road. The Raiders at the Chiefs. Going to be tough for the Raiders are not generating enough of a pass rush. This is, this is not a good situation for them. There is a huge gap between Kansas City and the rest of the West. And we talked about it in preseason uh, work this summer is who can challenge the Chiefs? Well, in my opinion, no one in the West can. It's just a challenge for who's the second best. And I think we can still debate the second best team in the West, but I would be very surprised if the Chiefs don't sweep everybody in the West. That's including this week, you know, in a, a, a non-COVID situation. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals at the Jets. Oh, man, I tell you, Jets need to win in the worst way. Uh, I know uh, you know that. Um, I just – the Cardinals – I mean, I know what I'm seeing, and I know I'm just a little bit surprised that they've kind of flipped the switch negatively, but they kind of look like the Cardinal team that I projected at the beginning of the year and not the one that I said – after a couple of weeks, you know what? They're better than I thought they would be. Now they're like kind of what I thought they were. Got to win this one on the road. Uh, this They're a better team. You think the Jets, you know, come up with a win or two at some point this year. This is definitely one of them, but I still think the Cardinals are the better team here. Uh, we move on to the Battle of Pennsylvania with the Eagles at the Steelers. Um. Love the Steelers here. Like the fact that the Eagles fought. And, you know, <laughs> just somebody asked this question. Somebody asked me this week, and I laughed. But I don't, I'm not laughing at it. I'm laughing at the fact that it is possibility. Are the Eagles the favorite in the NFC East? <laughs> uh, like, first of all, my answer was there is no favorite. Yeah, there's no uh, favorite. There, there is no favorite. Okay. I've eliminated the Giants and the Redskins, but how can you eliminate anybody at yeah. this point? I mean, six and ten. Who am I gonna ruin you? Ruin you out. How embarrassing. Seriously, Seriously I, a division. I, I, think, well, I think seven and nine. I think seven and nine well, is gonna win. You get, somebody's gonna have to, you know, yeah. win those games against one another. Uh, wouldn't count out Philadelphia here. I, I would count them out in this game across the cross state. Pittsburgh's just solid. Now I want to tell you this: the Steelers of the good teams in the league, they play down to their opponent more than most. So mm. don't be surprised that this game is a little bit closer. But I expect the Steelers; they're just better, better at the line of scrimmage both ways. Defensively, they're going to eat up the Eagles' offensive line. The Rams at Washington. Boy, I, you know, the Rams are a good-looking team. They're solid. They did not play all that well against the Giants, so it just goes to show you that. Uh, well, we know Sean McVay's record on the East Coast. He is yeah, undefeated when he comes and travels here. No question about it. And uh, to, to me, there was more activity after the game last week than, than during the game with the Rams and the Giants. Oh, that the was unbelievable. Yeah, the Rams did not play well. I do think they respond, play better. They're a better team here. Washington, still a good defensive line that's looking to try to figure out the rest of it. 
and they're just not good enough on offense. A lot of things going on against Washington. The Rams, it's a game you must win if you're going to be a real player. I just think they're a better team here by, by a good bit. How about the Bengals at the Ravens? Joe Burrow feeling oh. a little better about himself now. Yeah, he ain't gonna he's gonna be in the cold tub and the hot tub. You know, the cold tub <laughs> this defense against uh, you know getting a little bit of protection is all Joe Burrow needs. Mm-hmm. Um but man, this is gonna be a tough one. By the way, fantasy asks a question is uh, better for career, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. Well, I take Joe Burrow, but the better career goes to the team. And I don't know that I can jump on the table and say that they'll do the best yeah. job of surrounding them in Cincinnati, but I would still say borrow between the two. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. we got some more questions coming up. We'll get to that after our game previews here. The Jaguars at the Texans, first game without Bill O'Brien. Does, does his firing rally the troops in this game? You know what? I think it does. I think they, you know, I, I, I think there was, they were a little bit directionless, a lot of frustration there. But I can tell you they they weren't awful in some of their early losses. Let's remind folks, except for Minnesota, they lost to teams that I thought they would lose to. Um, their worst game was against Minnesota last week, and that was the final straw. Look for it to rebound a little bit, and Jacksonville's a beatable team in Houston. I, I, I think they get one here at home. I, I really yeah. do. A little win for Romeo. Possibly. Uh, <laughs> how about Rack. the Dolphins? The Dolphins at the 49ers. Miami sticking with Ryan Fitzpatrick, not going to Tua just yet. Yeah, I think they – and that tells me they don't feel he's quite ready, so they're going to put him in when they're comfortable. They don't want to ruin him uh, like the Niners here. Even through fighting through all their injuries, they're well-coached. They're physical mm-hmm. football team. Uh, I, I think they get it done. But I tell you, this Miami team – um, this is not a bad team. The record looks good. They, they play hard and they play pretty well. I'm, I'm impressed again at kind of their makeup and at least what they're trying to build in Miami. The Colts against the Browns. And it's a good one here. Really good. Uh, I've not been all that impressed with what I've seen with the Colts. Getting a little bit better. I thought they did some good things against the Bears. I like the Browns here. I think the Browns are a uh, right now playing a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um I like them here at home, uh, but this is this is a really good game. Maybe maybe as good of a game as is uh, you know matchup wise this week. Well, the Cowboys looking for a get right spot, and they welcome in the New York Giants. That's uh, a good good one to get. I mean, this is another one now, and you know if this was obviously the storyline in the entire league would be if Jason Garrett, Jason yeah, you, you well, the, but would be, <laughs> would be Jason Garrett stop security if he was still the Cowboys coach. That's not the issue, but it's like, man, look how bad the Cowboys are. Cowboys get it done here. I mean, this is it's a Giants team that's struggling. But you know what? Uh, and, and they're not as good as Dallas. But you know what? The Giants played hard last week. It's a mm-hmm. division rival. Don't be surprised if they get right here. And, and Jason Garrett, he's he's you know, he's Jason. the Giants offensive coordinator. He's got a little, you know, maybe some familiarity with what the Cowboys are going to do defensively. This could be a sneaky spot, Chris, that the Giants could actually come through. Well, the one thing they know is the Cowboys can't cover anybody, so (laughs) that's the one thing that they'll try to focus on. Uh, We move on. The Broncos at the Patriots, and uh, who knows about who's going to be quarterback for the Patriots, and I guess you could say the same thing about the Broncos. Yeah, Yeah, that's the big thing here, folks. Still like the Patriots. The Patriots, pretty good defense. They're more complete team here. 
I think they can work around the quarterback issues, which not 100% sure of as we do this show, still take the Patriots at home. They're not going to lose to the Broncos. How about the Vikings at the undefeated Seahawks? Yeah, a good win last week by the Vikings. The Seattle team's playing really well, making big plays. I just fear that the Vikings are going to give up too many big plays here. Mm-hmm. Still think you can move the football in this Seahawk defense. Uh, don't know that the Vikings will be able to do it enough, though, here. And Monday night, the Chargers at the Saints. Real good matchup. Saints, um, you know, kind of had to hold on against the Lions. Lions, man, I'm going to tell you something. If you take first quarter tape and I tell you first quarter tape, it, the Lions may be one of the best teams in the league coming out in the game. Good game plans, play hard, get a lead, and then, whoop, you know, and then it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um doesn't that say something about the halftime adjustments that there is none? Well, it's it's not even that. It's a second quarter. It's they oh, tend to wow. lap. So it's 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 um you, you, they really kind of get exposed and they really do a good job with the game plan early, but they just get exposed and defensively is the problem. Mm. The biggest issue is people get down and they come back and they can throw all over Detroit. Yeah. They can't get enough pass rush, they can't cover well enough. So that's the problem. This is an interesting matchup. This charger team. You know, I thought would be playing better defense. They're not playing all that well. The Saints don't look like a dominant team. I think the Saints take care of business here because I just trust them at the quarterback position a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but this is a, this a this this is not a, a a cinch game as you might think for for New Orleans. I think they get it done though. All right. Before we head over to the uh, college football conversation, a couple of questions coming in. Rich Coates wants to know, would Brian Dable be in consideration as far as a head coaching vacancy, considering the job that he has done in Buffalo? Absolutely. He would be, I think he'll be in consideration on a short list for Houston. Um, I think he's an outstanding coach, got that background with Saban, got the background with Belichick, and then he's gone out away from both of those guys. And as you mentioned, doing a really good job in Buffalo for Sean. They've been part of a good winning organization. He understands the importance of putting a good defense together. Um, He's an offensive guy, but he understands, I think, some big picture things. Good play caller, good play designer, good with quarterbacks. Uh, really, really good coach. And I think that uh, this is uh, – he'll definitely get some interviews. And the final question here on the NFL is Burns. What's the primary reason for all of the high-scoring games and the lack of defense that we're seeing in the NFL? Well, it, this year, the, the the variable that's a little bit different. Of course, you know big picture. It's, it's about the advantages that the offenses have in terms of um, penalties, you know, there's a lot more advantages offensively, you, a lot more defensive penalties that, that are really hurting the defenses. But I think the, the thing that I see more this year is the defense, the tackling is just not really good. A L- lot of big plays given up, and it's a byproduct of the offseason. Let's remind folks, as we enter into week five, uh, and I know we've had starters play four weeks but it's kind of like first week because it's pretty much, if you look game-wise, not calendar-wise, but game-wise, it's kind of like we just got done with preseason. Hmm. And so, you know, you just don't have – people don't recognize sometimes the amount of practices and how the cumulative effect of practices getting better and better and situations and defensively, uh, I think that's a big part of it. So – I think the 
an addition to the normal stuff. It's just the things that you can work on in a COVID environment are more beneficial to the offense, the pass game, the spread, but the blocking and the tackling, it's it's really behind. Let's transition here to college football, Chris. And before we preview uh, what's going to happen here week six Saturday, let's look back on last weekend and talk about some of the things that maybe surprised you a little bit. Um, I thought Auburn, to be honest, would keep the game against Georgia closer, uh, considering what the quarterback situation was at Georgia. That being said, I thought Stetson Bennett played well. And I think Georgia now maybe rebounds a little bit, feeds off of this victory, and starts to look like the team we expected them to look like this year. Yeah, you know, one of the themes last week was, oh, boy, everybody overacts after week one. And remember, it was week one of the SEC. So it was real overreaction. Georgia's dead. They're awful. No chance. They're done. And, you know, this is good. And, again, the film says otherwise. Um Georgia responded like I thought they would. I thought they would be physical. They dominated this game. The score was not indicative. Auburn's offense got nothing. This It's a small sample size, but there's nobody's defense that's better right now in college football than Georgia's. They're really, really good. Um, they can push the pocket. They get speed off the edge. They can cover on the back end. They can pursue their – it's good luck. They're, they're good luck you're moving the football on them. The issue was and is, what are they going to do at quarterback? They were awful week one. Couldn't score points. Arkansas this. Well, you know, they stabilized things a little bit. The offensive line played better around the quarterback. They ran the football with more physicality. They moved the line of scrimmage and got good success uh, with the running game. And Stetson Bennett did play well. He mm-hmm. did make good decisions. He made some good throws when they needed him to. Uh, so I do think you're going to see Georgia's going to be fine. I don't think they're going to beat Alabama. I think the Florida game is going to be interesting. We'll get break that down when we get a little bit closer. That's later in the year. But they, until Florida beats Georgia, it's still got to go through Georgia. I still think other than Alabama and Florida, Georgia's mm-hmm. going to have to lose a game, meaning I don't think it's going to have to be like South Carolina game last year where they really, really struggled and – and I think that can happen, but I think this Georgia team is really good. And I would put Georgia and Florida in that race for maybe the, the fourth team. If I were to look and say, all right, who are the best teams in the country? If you're thinking already playoffs, whatever. Well, I do think Clemson, I do think Alabama, Ohio state hadn't played yet. Probably not fair to mention them, but I got to mention them because I know what type of talent they have. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'd probably put Georgia, Florida in, in that order. And you know, the winner there, we see where it goes. So that's where I think of Georgia. They're going to play a, get a different look this week. I actually think Tennessee's playing better than Auburn. They're more together, more cohesive, not better overall talent, but Auburn doesn't have a very good offensive line. Tennessee does. So that'll be a different and a tougher challenge for Georgia's defensive front than they had last week. But I still don't think Tennessee has enough the quarterback position to pull this off or even make this a four-quarter game. I think it's close for a little bit because most games that Georgia play are close until they can kind of just, you know, pound away at you. Yeah. I think that's what they do here. I think Georgia will continue to say, yeah, we're the team to beat in the East. And other than Florida, I don't think anybody else can really challenge us. Uh, Sticking in the SEC, Mississippi State 
looked incredible against LSU in their first game and absolutely laid an egg. There's a little egg bowl comment. Laid an egg uh, against Arkansas. I saw you tweeting during the game. I tweeted during the game. It was the same exact observation. They had no answer for the zone. Arkansas rushed three on every play and dropped back eight, and Mike Leach took forever to find adjustments. They finally ran the ball more and dink and dunked in the second half. They had those 14 and 15 play drives that led to scores, but when it came down to it, K.J. Costello turned the ball over three times, four times actually, uh, but three interceptions, and they looked terrible against a team that has far less talent than they do. All you got to do, I've said it last week, and LSU didn't do it the week before. It was a schematic and a coaching error that cost LSU the game. All you got to do against this defense, you got to force the ball outside the numbers. You've got to play, got to drop eight, and you got to play underneath zone. You've got to prevent all those little crossers to where instead of chasing guys in a trail position and man, you just siphon, they come in from one zone to another and you tackle them in space. And, um, you know, it's it's not that difficult to prepare for. Look, I said it, and I've said it all along. I've known Mike Leach for a long time. I've known him since um, his days that uh, he was uh, coaching at a small college in Iowa. And then I remembered when he got um, on Hal Mummy's staff and learned this offense under Hal Mummy at Kentucky. And he's a quirky guy, yes, and all that. This is Mike. Mike, because if you're not familiar with what he does, and you don't just to what he does. Mike, it's it's lethal simplicity. He does what he does. He's got two run plays. He's got the draw. He's got the zone. He's got six pass you know, routes. I mean, it's just they just do that. But he doesn't adjust and can't adjust because he doesn't do enough to adjust. Mm. So you're going to see Mike upset people, and you're going to see him get out coached and be upset. And I didn't think it would happen in two weeks. But you got the full Mike Leach experience in first two games that he's played. That's him. Week one and week two. Not one or two. Is it more like, no, 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 no. That's what you got. You got that. Just like you get quirky and he might talk, uh, he might weave in Madonna and a Pirates in, in, in a, in a two-minute conversation, you're going to get the 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 – just complete dichotomy of game mm-hmm. one week to the next. And <clears throat> I did not think it would happen against Arkansas because I think Arkansas didn't have enough talent. But let this be a lesson. It's understanding scheme. Barry Odom is the new defense coordinator at Arkansas. Barry Odom was 3-0 and at Missouri when he was the defensive coordinator in the Big 12 against Mike Leach's offenses at Texas Tech. So he knows how to play it, knows what to do, and that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. If you if you look at that, you know, people say, oh, he looked at what they did at what he has had experience with it. And he also, I mean, he didn't need to see the LSU tape to know how to play it. Yeah. But he did, and he saw what LSU didn't do. And credit to Arkansas, pick sixes, broke up passes, all sorts of things. And that's the key. Well, you drop some pass. Yeah, that's what you have to do. You have to force the ball outside the numbers to where they're more apt to drop passes. If you don't and you play man and they just play pitch and catch, yep. it's really simple. It's like playing pitch and catch to a four-year-old in your yard. It's just – it's very easy. 
Yeah. And so now how do you think Mississippi State rebounds now going up against a Kentucky team that surprisingly is 0-2 to start the year? Um, they're desperate for a win. They lose in it. You know, it's hey, college kickers. It happens. Uh, but they lose in overtime to Ole Miss. And that was a shootout game that I didn't see as that high scoring. But now you got Kentucky and Ole Miss. And I think this is one of the more intriguing games of the weekend. I think it's the maybe the most intriguing game, um, you know, in the SEC because I for the reasons that you mentioned, Kentucky could be two and zero, and they're zero and two, and it's and they un Kentucky like they've been undisciplined. They've not played. They've got a lot of loose ends, which they never have. And I mean, look, I mean, look, the young Rose goes in, showboating, loses the ball. You know, fumbles it the next, you know, I just mess. A lot of little things. Interesting. I think that you'll see Kentucky, I would think, uh, again, play zone. You'll be able to handle this enough. But let, let me say this about Mississippi State's talent. Mississippi State has good defensive talent. And this is probably the most talent that Mike Leach will ever have because he's not a great recruiter. He's been left quite a bit of talent on defense that keeps him in game. So I agree with you. This is kind of a – Kentucky really needs the win in the worst way at home, Mississippi State, uh, trying to bounce back. But kind of like the the Wildcats here a little bit. Uh, the question that's on anybody, everybody's minds, Chris, um, does anybody want to win the Big 12? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think a lot of people want to win. I, you know, I will say this, that the teams that I've got my eye out on are Oklahoma State and TCU. Yep. I don't think they're national players, but I think that they're – you know they're 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 pretty good. Um, I think Oklahoma State's playing pretty good defense, and Mike Le- uh, Mike Leach, uh, mm-hmm. Gary Patterson plays pretty good defense, and they've got a quarterback. So I think that um, those are the teams I'm watching. But uh, what a what a um, a damper OU Texas is still gonna excited to watch it, but it's a different matchup now. I mean Oklahoma is O N two Texas. I, I don't I. St- Still think Oklahoma just score. You can score a million points against Texas. It's one is as bad as the other defensively. Texas is even worse. Yeah, I think that Oklahoma wins that game. Uh, you know, losing two straight. I think they have a wake up call. This is a huge game between the two of them. And you're right. Uh, as bad as Oklahoma's defense has been, Chris, Texas defense has been worse. So uh, I like Oklahoma. Um, in this game uh, in the Big 12. Uh, Elsewhere, you know, North Carolina struggled with Boston College, surprised me a little bit. I thought they would run away with that game. Now there's a big game here in the ACC, and maybe it was a look ahead. I don't know. Maybe they overlooked Boston College a little bit, but, hey, they're 2-0, and and now Mac Brown has to host Virginia Tech in a battle here of two unbeatens in the ACC. Yeah, Virginia Tech quietly has played pretty well, and they've played with a lot of missing guys too. So, and I don't know, that's maybe going under the radar, but they had like, you know, 12 guys in one game and even more in another game. So, uh, yeah, this is an interesting game. Mac, Mac's got some talent. Um, I thought that was, you know, line of scrimmage. BC's played well. Jeff Halfley's got that team playing hard, playing Yeah, we well. talked about him last week. We like that team a little you bit. You know, it's a good team. So, I don't know that – uh, like North Carolina a little bit here, but to me, this is a toss-up game. I got this highlighted as a 
is in that early slot is a really good game, exciting game to watch along with Florida A&M, Florida, Texas A&M, and uh, NC State, Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas, and Virginia Tech, North Carolina. I think ought to be a good one. But give me the Tar Heels at home here, I think. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. So how about that Florida A&M matchup in that early window? Um, you know, it's funny. Every time I watch Kyle Trask play, I've made no secrets about it. I love this Florida team this year. Um, many people are I'm – sh- I'm sure a lot of people do know, but some people don't. He didn't even play in high school. He was De'Eric King's backup in right. high school, and he only had like one other offer to play major college football uh, besides, you know, eventually going and playing at Florida or taking the backup job at Florida, coming in for Felipe Franks when he gets hurt last year, and now this kid's a Heisman candidate, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Well, and it's a – Look, it's the ultimate developmental position, and it doesn't happen quite to this degree, but it happens a lot. You know, kids play, develop, and at different times, it's why you need to, you know, as a as a personnel guy and as a coach, you got to really look at players, study players, and got to give opportunities, put them in situations. And you know, he was in a high school now, and and you know, so if you're like a college recruiter, um, that high school. They got a lot of guys that are back yeah, up. They're all that, going D one. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's like they're all really good. So it's kind of like you know, it's rare that you have a guy that's a backup quarterback in college that goes on to be a really good NFL starter. But it does happen, you know. And you've got to you've got to really you've got to really uh, look at it closely. Um, look, I'm, I mean, I I think it's uh, it's this Florida offense is the real deal, and and. Dan's done a good job. I like what they've done to formationally with Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, detach wide looks, you know, slot looks out wide. I mean, really tough to they find a matchup and good luck trying to match up against this guy. And the receivers are starting to make plays. You know, I think the defense is not as bad as people think, but it's also not where it needs to be mm-hmm. to win at the highest level yet. But there's still some talent. There's some young guys who are missing some key pieces off of last year's team. Let's see how much this defense progresses uh, and grows up. I do think that some of what – I know Dan has said that he finds his defense not – like they're not going all out. And I don't mean laziness, but he finds like they're a little bit hesitant. So that's one thing that when you start to play fast, and I don't mean your speed, but when you play fast, you begin to react and know where you're going, that's what I'm looking for in this defense. How much can it progress? Can they play faster, not move faster, but can they react faster is what I'm trying to say. And that's going to determine their ceiling for this team because it's a good team, but maybe it can be a great team. And that's the variable that's going to determine it because the offense will be there. They go into College Station and come away with a win? Yeah, they do. They're just too good for AM. AM. Um, not going to be able to keep up points wise with them, but I will say this: I think AM will fight, will play well, and I think they're going to respond off of that beatdown they got from AM. And I think this game's going to be closer. And I think it's going to be Florida, but I think it's going to be a close. A, a coaching buddy of mine in the league um, that's obviously preparing to the, thinks AM is going to upset them um, really? in the SEC. I don't quite see it, but I do think that. That a- I think AM is hearing a lot of that, and you know they're not, they weren't competitive against Alabama. I think they'll play well. I I, I don't know what playing well is going to do in terms of how close it's going to get them. I, I just think Florida's better. Okay, 
maybe a high scoring game. Maybe, you know, maybe they so. match them. Maybe they I match them. So. You know? I, I think AM gave up a lot of plays last week. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I think they're going to give up a lot. If they don't figure out defensively some answers, uh, I, I think they're going to have to score a lot of points and they're going to have to find a way to run the football to reduce Florida's possessions to keep this close. So the ability to make it a four quarter game is going to be about AM's run game. Uh huh. And they're going to have to prevent the big play over the top that they were just they were scalded uh, by uh, Alabama last week. A really, really good early season game here, Chris. Saturday night, the marquee matchup, number seven, Miami, number one, Clemson. Clemson, a two touchdown favorite at home because, hey, they're Clemson. But Miami, we've seen them in these big spots already this year, Chris, come through. Yeah, they have. This is a different breed of cat now. This is uh, these uh, these cats look a little bit different on the yep. on the other side. They wear orange, but they're a little bit uh, a little different. Um, look, I, I like what Miami's done. Um, this is a game in which you throw all of it out, and I think you just attack and you try to see what you can do against you know the benchmark in not only the conference but in the country. I just think Clemson is a lot better. And I think they'll prove it. I love what Derek King's doing. I like what Rhett Lashley's done with the offense. I think defensively they've got some athletes uh, that can hang in. I, I think the race is who can be competitive. And, you know, if Clemson's not bored, um, and I don't think they're going to be bored in this game, but, you know, who's the second best team in the, a, uh, the ACC? And I think that's what Clemson's out for. Now, look, they're, they're out to be the best team in the ACC. I don't mean that, but – you know, the issue is, can are they on the same plane as Clemson? So let's just go and say that Miami goes on a magical run. And after this game, they're able to, they're able to win out. And, mm-hmm. you know, they are competitive against Clemson. This is kind of their benchmark to kind of show where they are. I just think when it's over, I think we're going to see Clemson kind of show their might. And, you know, we can talk about Derrick King all they want. Trevor Lawrence is really on a mission, and I think we're going to see a statement-type win for Clemson here. So expect the Clemson Tigers in Death Valley to roll, in my view. All of these game previews, film room previews, and film room recaps can all be found at LandryFootball.com. It really is your destination for all of this football information, and you can find uh, daily notebooks, articles, podcasts, link to the Twitch channel, and more all on LandryFootball.com. Chris, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, we really like it. Got some uh, special discounts. Go on to the website. We made it really friendly for you. You can try it out for a month, six months, if you want to just kind of handle it during football season. Get the best discount for the year membership. You can find it there right on the top page. Special discount. Click there, and you can find out more information about it. Look. Folks, it's simple. We take you inside the film room. We evaluate the games in even greater detail, give you the matchups, great players, and we review the games after they're played. College and NFL, we tell you what happened, why it happened, and how players graded out. So you want to know how players graded out in the film room and not just on the highlights and just the talking heads about this and that. You can really see how guys graded out. And 
that's what makes it unique and what we do. So check it out at LandryFootball.com. As Scott said, a lot of stuff on there, the, the Twitch channel. And, of course, we appreciate everybody sending in their questions. And uh, Richard Coates, good buddy there, Burns, and um, 4597 Fantasy Football. We invite you, if you're not watching us, to give us a watch uh, at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time every Tuesday night. Uh, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. Um, you can watch Scott and I do this podcast. If you can't watch it live, you can certainly consume it as you do is uh, in the podcast form. So check it all out at LandryFootball.com today. Absolutely. You can follow Chris on Twitter at Landry football. You can follow me at Scott's on air, subscribe to Landry football's conference call podcast to listen to this show and more on your mobile device and follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football to watch this show and more uh, all days of the week, because we are nonstop football coverage at Chris Landry football on Twitch until then we'll talk to you next week. Uh, it's going to be another exciting week of football and uh, go Gators. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.